This is In the Making, and I'm Teresa Au. I'm so excited to be bringing you this podcast with intimate stories and life lessons from the creator economy. On In the Making, you'll hear from content creators, communicators, marketers, designers, and the folks who do a little bit of everything, the slashies. Their stories will inspire you, and their hard-won lessons may be useful to you in your own journeys. So join me every two weeks for revealing and honest conversations where we get to find out together how these creators overcome the challenges of being small business owners and creatives at the same time. And a very special welcome to those who found us from the Wireframe feed. Thanks so much for being here with us, and let's get started. So today, I'm super excited to be speaking with illustrator and designer Misha Blaze. Misha has published five vibrant, colorful books for kids and adults, all exploring our interconnection with the universe and with each other. Her book, This Phenomenal Life, was translated into six different languages and was a bestseller in China. Misha's artwork is installed at the acclaimed Austin Central Public Library in Texas. And for those who don't know this, but this is a big deal. And now Misha has a new book out called Breathe Deep, where she explores the power of breathing to calm our nerves and open space for creativity and imagination. Misha, thank you so much for being a guest and welcome to In the Making. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk and to breathe deeply together. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) So I heard that you had a very unconventional path to becoming an artist. What was that path like? Well, I didn't go to art school and I actually ended up working in arts education and special arts programming in schools in Chicago for many years. And during that time, I just always knew I wanted to be an artist. And there's lots of craft fairs and art fairs you can join. And so you rent a table and you put your stuff out. I was doing that for years and little opportunities would trickle in. Like I got selected to be in a gallery for a while and I made some really good connections And I eventually ended up designing wall art. So I worked for companies like CB2, Nordstrom, Urban Outfitters, and that was a great gig. But after a while, I felt like I had more of a message to share and I wanted to explore writing and illustrating books. I ended up entering an illustration competition uh, through a children's book festival and winning And that led me to getting an agent, which is very critical in the literary world. And through the agent, I was able to find my first publisher. When did you first start creating? I guess I really started in earnest in my late teens, painting and and trying to put together my ideas like in a visually cohesive way. And when did you start doing digital art or using digital tools? In my early 20s. And of course, then everything was really cutting edge because, you know, the technology was just starting to take off. And today, do you use both mediums or what do you prefer? Yeah, absolutely. So I usually paint or hand draw and then I scan my work and work with it in Adobe Photoshop. So I do kind of a hybrid mix. Got it. Got it. Now, I recently saw Rain Wilson interviewed you. I met him once at Adobe Max, and he's such a great guy. I love The Office also. (laughs) He said your books are filled with wonder and curiosity. I love those two words. I think that's such a great description, and what a compliment, right? What turned your curiosity to the breath? 
Well, I ended up doing a deep dive into the breath that I didn't plan for. My oldest son, he just was sick a lot, had respiratory issues, and we were going to lots of doctors, and we thought it was just terrible allergies. We could never really figure it out. A family friend of ours who is a sleep doctor, he asked us if our son was breathing through his mouth at night, mouth breathing. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he was. And this doctor explained to us that this is a whole world. People who mouth breathe have all sorts of different health complications, and it can have a huge impact on your life. So we were able to connect all the dots, and we started working with what's called a myofunctional therapist to help retrain his mouth and muscles how to breathe correctly, which was really astounding to learn about. I didn't know there was like a right way to breathe. It just seems like we should be breathing the right way naturally. But in this years-long process of doing this special therapy, we learned so much about how breathing works, how critical it is to just your everyday life. And that's what really launched me off into a lot of curiosity about this topic. And how did that curiosity and then learning all about it turn into a book? Well, one of the first things I learned was that the breath has a huge impact on your nervous system. And it's actually one of the fastest ways that you can access your nervous system and calm your nervous system, or you can use it to activate your nervous system. So it's this incredible vital force that's at our fingertips all the time. And I heard it described as a lost art. It's something that we don't have common knowledge about how powerful the breath is and how we can use it. So that was really something to me. And then I also thought the breath is just such an interesting symbol of our interconnection with the universe, our interconnection with each other. And I thought that would lend to a lot of interesting art. It certainly has. I know some of my favorite quotes from the book so far are like breathing connects your body, mind, and soul. Mm -hmm. In many languages, the word for breath is the same word used to describe life, soul, and spirit. I flipped all the way to the back and <laughs> there was one that said, we are leaves of one tree. And I love that illustration as well. Yeah, it, it's an amazing book. I think it's so important because when I'm nervous, when I'm scared, when I'm anxious, I find myself holding my breath. I'm not breathing at all. Yeah. Let's talk about the connection between breathing and creativity. Again, going back to the nervous system, you have these kind of two main modes that your nervous system can be in. And we're all familiar with this idea of fight or flight or rest and repair. You know, your brain and nervous system are always scanning the environment for cues of safety or cues of threat. And when you perceive that there's threat around you, it sets off a whole cascade of effects in your body. You know, your brain releases chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline that bathe every cell in your body. Your heartbeat speeds up, your breathing gets fast and shallow, your pupils dilate, your muscles constrict, like all these physical things happen. But what also happens is the activity switches to different regions of your brain and it makes it harder to access creativity and imagination and play. Whereas when your nervous system is calm, you can tap into the higher order cognition of your brain and you can more easily access imagination, a feeling of you know safety and comfort and exploration. It can put you in a safe place 
where you can enter that flow state a lot easier and you just feel comfortable to explore and, you know, have your wild thoughts or just figure out something new. It's a lot harder to do that when you're in a threat physiology. Yeah. I love that you brought in the word play because it's all about having fun and we forget to play, you know, when we become adults. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And it's interesting, the more I've gotten into this realm of nervous system work, play is brought up as a healing modality. It's like, you got to play. Like, that's a, a space to be in where you just can relax, you can be yourself, you can let the cares of the world slip away. So like, how can we find time in each of our day to, to play? Exactly. I so, so agree with you. So Misha, can you show me and our listeners how to use your breath to get into a creative mindset? I'd love for all of us to experience it together and learn how to do it on our own. Sure. I'll teach you a really quick and really powerful technique that's from my book. It's called the physiological sigh. It's really easy. What you're going to do, you'll take a really strong deep breath in through your nose. And then when you're at the top of the breath, you breathe in even more. Okay. And then you're going to take a really slow, long exhale. So let's try it. Okay. Ready, set, go. And then one more. And then really slow, long exhale, purse your lips. If you can let that, let that exhale come out really long. And when you're letting that exhale out, it's actually slowing your heart rate. If you do this for a few rounds, the slow down heart rate communicates to your brain that you're calm and you're safe. So you're actually going through your body to calm your mind. I mean, one approach we often take is if you're feeling stressed or anxious is like, you know, telling your mind stuff through your thoughts, like I'm okay, I'm okay. But when you do the physiological side, you're going through your body to tell your mind that you're okay and that you're calm. Holy cow. Okay. I do feel so much calmer. I'm not just saying that the extra long exhale really slowly through my mouth when you were saying that, it really, really did calm my body. Thank you. That was incredible. Another thing you talk about in the book is perfectionism, which I resonate so much with because growing up, I always thought I had to be perfect. And oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell us how perfectionism affects creativity. I feel like there's just a plague of perfectionism in the culture. I didn't think I was a perfectionist until just a few years ago, because I always thought perfectionism related to having a perfectly clean house, you know, an organized schedule and being really preoccupied with being a high achiever. And I was like, none of those things. So I was like, oh, I'm just a chill person. But I realized that I had what is called existential perfectionism or moral mm. perfectionism, which is that I really wanted the right answers and I wanted certainty and I wanted to like do things the right way so that I was like a good person. Mm -hmm. And this longing for answers amidst uncertainty is, is great. Like it's fine. But the truth is that life is a mess. Reality is endlessly complex. No one will ever understand everything. Things come together, things fall apart. And there's only so much we can get a grasp on or control in our life. And even those things might fall through our hands. So I think this is where nervous system work and breath work really helped me because they helped me realize that the creative spirit is one of just riding the highs and lows of life. Mm -hmm. 
and finding humor and peace with the fact that life will always have some degree of complication and difficulty that's just built into the cosmic scheme of things. Uh, there's no final endpoint where everything's perfectly put together. But, you know, along the way, how can you find pleasure and enjoyment and just like surrender and let go? And the perfectionist energy is a very anxious energy. Mm-hmm. It's like the inner critic. It doesn't let you let go. Yeah. Yeah. So you've said that resisting perfectionism is a big theme in your life as an artist. What makes you say that? I think that perfectionism for an artist comes in the form of the inner critic. Mm -hmm. And it comes almost as I mentioned, it's an anxious energy. It's almost like I think of it as a death energy. It's just this voice that's hovering over you. That's like, you better do this right. And if you don't do it right, you're a loser, you're a failure, you might even die. And that's just no space to be making art out of or being creative. That energy of fear can drive you to do all sorts of things and to achieve really high goals. But do you want to be motivated in life by fear or by love? But there have been times when I've had that perfectionist critic hanging over me. It's times where I've been in more of an ideological mindset. For instance, when I was younger, of like, you better make the right thing. That's like, make, gives the right message to the world and like shows that you're good. And again, I just think that that kills the art. For me, it's just not how I want to be in my creative space. So do you not really struggle with that now? My art actually hasn't been too plagued by perfectionism. I do feel like my art is a space of solace. I kind of like just getting into the groove. I like the kind of way I play with ideas and images And I love getting in the flow state with art. To me, that feels like the ultimate gift. I feel so grateful when I'm in that space and I feel really happy. It's not that I don't struggle. It's just that I know what it is now. When I feel like I'm closed up and feeling kind of just like gross and, you know, uncomfortable and something's not right, then I'm like checking in with myself and then I'm like, oh, I can... I can have a conversation with my body. This is an interesting learning as well, is that the body's always communicating with us, but the body doesn't speak to us in words and language. It speaks to us in sensations. Mm-hmm. And so in learning about the sensations my body's you know, speaking to me with, I can interact and have a conversation with them and use my skills like breath work or different nervous system calming techniques to to kind of get back into a safer, more comfortable space and just feel like more like myself, my true self. We're all living in this image conscious time and everyone's promoting themselves or their work online. It's hard not to feel like you have to be perfect about your career. Yeah, of course. And I've struggled with that here and there because I've had some great successes in my career, but also like a lot of creators, it's not like I'm always getting work and my books are just bestsellers everywhere. Like sometimes things hit really well and I get these incredible opportunities and sometimes like nothing happens. And at those times, I feel like that's kind of the real spiritual practice of life where I'm like, you know, what's really important to me in life? What really brings me pleasure and joy in each day? And how can I still find that pleasure if it's not attached to success? For me, I feel like I've gotten in a pretty good groove with that. I really value my time with my family. I really value time with my community. Like I have all these like kind of real life things going on all the time that are separate from how my, let's say, social media is doing. But certainly 
that comes with the territory of being a creator is that there's not really necessarily a straight path for most, most of us and how to get our work out there. And so there's going to be those dry spells where you just don't even know, does the world even care about my art? And then that's the time where you really have to care about your own art yeah. and understand why you're making it for yourself. I talk to a lot of creators and I think that is a very important point. I was going to ask you next, why do you think people with the same career achievements have 100K followers and, you know, 12K followers? I mean, that's the great mystery of the algorithm, right? I have no idea. (laughs) If you figure it out, let me know. Is that important to you? The reason why it has been important to me in certain times is I feel like I want to get my work out there. Like, I feel like I have work that many people people will connect with. But then I just try and feel grateful for my small audience. And I get such incredible feedback from the people who do see my art. And so I feel really happy and gratified by that. And I really just, it's so out of my control. I actually had something go viral this week. It was really funny. It got like over 3 million views. This is like unheard of for me. Whoa. Wow. What was the post? His name's Anthony Vincent, wrote this hardcore metal song about how you don't want to get out of bed, you don't want to work out, but just get up and do something good for yourself, whatever it is, just get up and do something. And I made a little illustration to go with it and it just went viral. Uh And so all these like comments and people were streaming in and that's the first time I've had that experience. And even that experience, I was like, this is so weird. Three million views? Three million's a lot. Three million's a lot. So did anything come from that going viral? Like, did you get maybe more followers? I mean, I got a bunch more followers. It's funny once now that I'm in the 3 million level, I mean, people are getting 50 million, you know, it's all kind of relative. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it was a cool little experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when your next post doesn't get the 3 million, how will you handle that inner critic that might come up and surface? I already felt brought back down to earth because I'm like, I'm sure my next post, you know, will get like 10 views or like back to normal, you know? So it's just like, while it's there, enjoy it. Yeah. And it's kind of just a little mysterious. Who's going to connect m- with my work? How's my work going to get out there? But the times it does and the ways that it does, I've really made some awesome connections with people and felt really good about it. You know, with a small following, you can have pretty intimate back and forth. I've gotten to know a lot of fans of my work just from their messages they leave me. They're not lost in a big sea of people. So that's been cool. Mm-hmm. Having a, a smaller community that's more intimate than a massive following that you're not really connected with, I think it's so much more beneficial. That's just my opinion. I'm not a super online person. So it's just when I'm on there, I check it out. And when I'm off, I just live my life. <laughs> it's wonderful that you live your life, but we want to definitely amplify your work because it's amazing. You do such wonderful illustrations and the book is so important to people who want to center themselves and use the breath to help them calm themselves and like you said, be creative and use their imagination and have more energy to play. Exactly. I saw that you've been experimenting with AI art. How are you using Gen AI now? And Is it for experimentation or is it going to be part of your workflow or is it part of your workflow currently? Yeah, this is a big question facing all of us artists. I didn't realize AI was 
progressing so quickly. Mm-hmm. I was really shocked to find out. I was actually making fun of AI in a video I made. <laughs> and then some friends messaged me and were like, hey, you should be checking out this other program. And once I got on there, I was like, oh my God, the future is here. I mean, the way it can imitate different art styles in the blink of an eye, it's, it's astounding. And you know, I'm an illustrator. Even my new book, Breathe Deep, is illustrated. I use art as a way to explore topics in a, you know, an exciting, whimsical way. And so as soon as I realized that, you know, my illustration style might be able to be duplicated instantly by AI at some point, I started to wonder how I could get that to work for me. So I was like, hey, maybe I'll make a fast workflow and I'll just... I'll rely more on my ideas for content and then have these interesting, crazy AI images to use as illustrations or something. I mean, I still don't know where my art is going to go with AI, but I am open to it in the future. I'm kind of the type of person, like I said, I'm trying to just ride the waves of life. So if AI is coming, there's no stopping it. I want to see how I can work with it and get it to work for me. Are there any fears you have right now about Gen AI? I don't feel scared. I mean, I'm making real life books. Who buys books? And you know, some people still do buy books. I do. Okay, great. But you know, so much has become digital and online. So even just that world of making books, I love doing it, but it may be that I go more online in the future. Whatever it is, I just have to respond to the market, the mood of the times. And either way, I'm going to keep making art. Before we wrap... What is one word that will guide you through the rest of 2023? Okay, so (laughs) I do have a word, embodiment. I just think embodiment's what it's all about. How can you be in your body, learn to read and understand the sensations your body's telling you, just be in the present moment, you know, feel with your senses, see what is in front of you. And find pleasure in your day-to-day life in the like the little small moments of life. That's just something that I've been thinking a lot about this year. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was such a great conversation. Yes, thank you for having me. I enjoyed being here. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Misha Blaze today and that she's given you some tools and inspiration to calm your mind and to connect to your creativity. I had so many great takeaways, and here are just a few. One, we live in a culture of perfectionism, and the inner critic feeds on fear and anxiety. Fear can drive you to achieve big goals, but it's a hard place to live. So ask yourself, do you really want to be motivated by fear? or create from a place of love. Two, you can't be creative when your nervous system is in fight or flight mode. You need safety and relaxation to create. Three, you can use your breath to bypass all that brain chatter and relax your nervous system. Thoughts are powerful, but your breath is a direct line to calming your body. This is In The Making. And I'm Teresa Ao. I'll be back with a new guest and new inspiration from the creator economy every two weeks. So please take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast. And if you liked this episode, be sure to give us a rating and a review in your favorite podcast app. We're brand new, so we'd really appreciate it if you share the show with all your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in a fortnight.